Julie, welcome back to Saltier Politics. You have been in the news quite a lot lately. I saw you at the Massachusetts State House. Yeah, um, we had a great. So Gretchen Carlson and I went up to Massachusetts on Monday at the request of uh, Diana Desolio, who is a state senator up there. And it's a very interesting story. Um, senator Desolio, who's fantastic. Um, she's probably in her 30s, um, just young. Uh, and ag- aggressive in the best way possible, just a very strong woman um, who doesn't take any crap from anybody. She had been a staffer. So this, this story is such a wonderful, inspirational story. She had been a staffer um, in the House of Re- the local House of Representatives there, the, not, not the federal, but the Massachusetts House of Representatives. And she had been working for a Republican senator. Um, and she um, got into a situation where she um, alleged sexual harassment, uh, and the Massachusetts House of Representatives, uh, the speaker there, Senator uh, Speaker Delio, settled with her um, using taxpayer dollars. And as a result of that, she had to sign a non-disclosure agreement. She didn't sue. She just made the allegation. They quickly, you know, she, and she got, ter- I'm sorry, the story is that she got basically pushed out and terminated. Um, they basically told her to leave. Um, and in exchange, they gave her money, and, and she signed an NDA. She then proceeds to run for the state house herself, gets elected as a Democrat, and on the floor of the House of Representatives breaks her NDA and says, this is what happened to me, and that there are other women, 32 or 33 others by her count, who have also settled with the House of Representatives wow. with taxpayer dollars and have not um, are not able to speak but that taxpayer dollars are being used to silence women and that at least there should be a law in Massachusetts that prevents municipalities and the legislature and the governor's office or any government from forcing women to be silenced using taxpayer dollars because taxpayers deserve to know how much money has been paid out Right, absolutely. You know, for, for settlements. go to schools or roads. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, you know, you're a taxpayer. This is actually a fiscal issue. Like, you're a taxpayer. I'm a taxpayer in Massachusetts. I'm not an income taxpayer, but I have a house out in, in western Massachusetts. I'm a property taxpayer. I would dearly love to know how much of my property, property tax dollars have been spent in my little town in Massachusetts. Um, if it's going to cover up poor, bad behavior. Right, go- exactly, right? No. Or at least how much money is it? right. Anyway, the point is, um, she has now become a state senator. I mean, this woman is just amazing. Take a, talk about just having a massive setback and turning it around, running for the House, then running for the Senate. She's now a state senator. She's trying to get a piece of legislation in Massachusetts about um, ensuring that we don't, they don't use taxpayer dollars there to, to cover up sexual harassment. And it's very limited to just sexual assault or sexual harassment. It's not about other stuff. Um, the state Senate, her body has effectively adopted their own rules where you can no longer do that if you work in the state Senate. The Democratic member of the House, um, the Democratic Speaker of the House, excuse me, Speaker Delio, um, has refused to advance this legislation. And Charlie Baker, the Republican governor of Massachusetts, has also refused to do that and has also refused, and both of them have refused to say how much money taxpayer dollars have been spent. Um, and doing that. So she called, you know, she called Lift Our Voices or emailed Lift Our Voices, um, which was the organization Gretchen Carlson and Dana Falzone and I started. Basically, out of the blue, we didn't know about any of this. Uh, I got back to her. 
We had a very long chat. I said to her, what do you need? And she said, we need some attention. We need some publicity about this big issue in Massachusetts. So Gretchen and I got on the good old Acela um, and took it up to Boston on Monday um, and did this press conference, which was really amazing. We had some, I mean, it was a bipartisan press conference. There was a Republican state rep, Allison Sullivan there. Um, Diana is a Democrat. Senator DeZolio is a Democrat. Um, we had Congresswoman Lori Trahan, who's from the freshman class of these kick-ass women. Um, she represents um, uh, the northern part of, of Massachusetts, uh, the area north of Boston. Um, she was at this press conference, and uh, we had, I don't know if you saw Spotlight, but Mitchell Garabedian, the attorney who was basically responsible for exposing the Catholic Church um, and all the abuses in the Massachusetts Catholic Church and, and, and Bernard Cardinal Law, if you remember, the, the right. kind of poster child for the cover-up of sexual abuse by the Catholic Church up in Massachusetts that Spotlight featured. He was played in the movie. Um, I forgot who played him, but he's a major character in the movie. He came. Um, and it was just such an incredibly inspirational and wonderful um, day and so much attention from the Boston Globe and the Boston Herald and all the various papers up there all over New England. Um, and hopefully this issue will be advanced. I'm hoping that the attention we bring to it will be advanced. I will say Governor Baker, Republican, and Speaker um, Delio, who's a Democrat, have dug in their heels. No, they're not looking at this legislation. They're now saying that it's the victims themselves who want NDAs and that they're doing this to protect the victims, the reality is they can redact the victims' names from any settlement anytime they want. They don't have to use the victims' names, all the survivors' names. All they have to do is just say what happened, who the offender was, and how much taxpayer money is spent on that. So that is such a completely nonsensical, ridiculous um, talking point, as is the fact that the legislation that Senator DeZolio has presented actually has, in black and white, a clause in it that says that the survivor can, at their request, request an NDA. So, you know, to these men who are using survivors and shielding themselves behind survivors for their own benefit, like, the tide is coming, gentlemen. It's coming. Um, in New Jersey, as you know, Governor Murphy finally succumbed to public pressure, released me and every other woman in his campaign from their NDAs because the tide came for him, and it's not a good look. He's getting a lot of national bad attention as a result of what I was able to talk about in others. So the same tide is coming for all these men that stand in the way of progress. Learn from Governor Murphy's mistakes, gentlemen in Massachusetts, and, and do the right thing. I think it's very symbolic, though, that, that um, the spotlight guy was there because, I mean, just thinking about taking down a massive institution uh, that's been trying to cover up for years and maintain the status quo, well, the status quo is changing now, just like it did with the Catholic Church, or it is changing, which is a really big deal. Look. Bottom line, I think it's very, very important to note the Catholic Church has had its reckoning. It took a long time, but these issues are coming, and they're coming for the men who've behaved poorly, and women. This is not just, you know, there are women who, who behave poorly as well. This is not just a, a male issue. Um, there are also men who behave wonderfully, and most of the men that I've worked for, um, in politics at least, most of them are fantastic. I'll give you a great example. I got my start working for Congressman Frank Pallone, who's now the chair of the House um, Commerce Committee in Washington. The most respectful, wonderful boss um, you could ever ask for. I mean, that's my experience with him, at least, and I worked with him for many years. So I don't want to make it look like this is just like a all men are horrible or they foster horrible work behavior. They don't. But, you know, get out of the way, men who are trying to 
use survivors to cover up bad behavior because it's not a good look for you and history will not judge you kindly on that. I completely agree. I wanted to tell you that I had an incredible interview this week with the WNBA commissioner, Kathy Engelbert. She just became the commissioner in May of 2019 around the All-Star Game last year. And first of all, I'm a massive WNBA fan and NBA fan ever since I was little. Orlando used to have the Miracle, and I used to go to those games. And They don't have that team anymore. But I had booked her a couple weeks ago uh, to talk about this historic collective bargaining agreement that the WNBA came to with its players and brought the WNBA players to the table and made a lot of changes, increased their salary, made travel a little more humane, and... Uh, if a player gets pregnant, she's still going to get paid. She's not going to get half pay. It was just a historic deal. But anyway, as we know, Kobe Bryant and his daughter and nine people tragically died. And I had her booked, so we got to talk about Kobe Bryant, his daughter. And I seriously cannot get through a social media post and see his daughter and not have my heart break into a million pieces because first of all the potential that she had but also the fact how much her dad advocated for women's sports and women's athletic and athletics in general which I thought is so great to see a male figure really you know taking the reins and putting women's sports at the forefront and having daughters and being proud of them I thought it was really great and to talk to Kathy about his role on women's sports was a really interesting perspective. So this this week was a big bucket list, I guess, interview for me to be able to be a little kid when I was seven and look at the WNBA and then now interview the commissioner of the WNBA was totally awesome. Um, I think it's awesome. And, um, you know, I had lunch um, with Megan Rapino and a few others, I want to say, last week, two weeks ago. Um, what? I, I didn't tell you about this? Yes. No. Oh, yes. She's even more amazing than you might expect um, in real life. And um, You had lunch with an icon and didn't take a picture. Oh, I have it. a picture. I didn't. Oh, my God. I have totally have a picture. I'll, I'll send it to you. Um, yeah. I'm sorry. Did I forget to tell you this? You forgot to tell me Well, this. we didn't do the pod last week. Maybe that's why I forgot to tell oh, you. Gosh. But, yes, I did have lunch with her. and She's fantastic. Um, and a few others, including um, one woman from the WNBA. And they, the stuff that the WNBA has to contend with versus, versus the National Basketball um, Association League? Yeah. I don't even know what the NBA is. National Basketball Association. <laughs> this is how. Um, but the stuff that they have to contend with and the stuff that these women, who are actually incredible players, have to contend with, the same thing as women's soccer, by the way, right. um, is pretty appalling. Look at the fact that, that the soccer the, the female soccer players are not even remotely getting paid right. what male soccer players and are way better. and yeah. they're way better Both, and yeah and by the way it's not like okay on the one hand you've got lebron james the nba and whatever name the lebron james equivalent in american soccer megan rapino megan rapino yep right and yet some guy whose name we don't know right is making more money and um it's absurd what was your favorite part of that lunch because I can just feel the lady power from here, and it's very inspiring. Um, my favorite part about that lunch was that it was a bunch of women 
um, who were accomplished in their own field. And it was a fairly small lunch. And I don't, again, don't want to get too into it because it wasn't a lunch that was an on-the-record lunch. But it was just a bunch of women um, who were leaders in their own fields getting together to just talk about what it's like to be a woman in your field. And what I came away from that, and it was not just Megan Rapino, and it was not just people from the WNBA, it was people, women at the top of their fields in journalism um, and in the arts, and, um, and a few men as well, so I, sh- I shouldn't say it was all women. Um, but what I came away from that lunch is, first of all, feeling very empowered, but secondly, also feeling very, um, very dispirited that even somebody like Megan Rapino who you think is, oh my God, Megan Rapinoe, still has to deal with a lot of the same nonsense that, uh, that any other woman does. It does not matter how successful you are. Um, we still have a long way to go. And she has a platform um, and she's using it incredibly effectively. And that's what I always said about what Gretchen and I are doing. We have a platform. We're trying to use ours as effectively as possible. Obviously, this bill in Massachusetts we just discussed is an important piece of legislation um, that we were happy Um, to be able to bring attention to because of the platform that we were blessed to be given. Um, But there are way too many women out there, and this is the part that I find very sad, um, who are not standing up for their fellow women. They're just not. And these are the same women, as I keep always saying, that rented buses to go protest Brett Kavanaugh and just sit there and constantly talk about how awful Donald Trump is and how misogynistic he is. But when it comes to standing up for women who take on, it's very easy to take on your political enemies. But when it comes to standing up for women who take on the quote-unquote patriarchy that is embroiled on your side of the aisle, then it becomes more problematic. And it's the same way on the Republican side. They're very happy to talk about how Harvey Weinstein was a Democratic donor, but they ignored Donald Trump. Um, so I would just urge people to realize that you have to take sides, right? You either are a woman and a man who stands up for all women, or you're a woman who doesn't, and a man who doesn't, and if you're not, then that's fine, but just then sit down and be quiet. Um, But don't selectively pick and choose which women you believe and which women you don't, and I will say this again, Juanita Broderick's a very good example. I thought Bill Clinton was an amazing president. I believe that he tried to do something awful to Juanita Broderick, Um, and um, I find it interesting that Juanita Broderick does not give the same kind of courtesy to women who accuse her political heroes of that, i.e. the 17 or however many women have now accused Donald Trump of sexual harassment or assault. Um, Look, if I, as a liberal who supported Bill Clinton, can support Juanita Broderick, then she should be supporting the women who are saying this about her political hero, Donald Trump. And um, there's the story. No, I agree. And it's just the inconsistency. When people are inconsistent, like we saw Ken Starr this week during the impeachment thing say, Let's give impeachment a break. You know, people are tired of it. It's like, are you, are you kidding me? Yeah. You just, be consistent. Just don't bullshit America because people, I believe, are smarter than that. Well, I mean, Ken Starr is just... Uh, I mean, this is the same Ken Starr, by the way, who got bounced out of Baylor because of, you know, horrible issues. Um, um, you know, sexual issues. Not his own, but how he covered it up as president of Baylor. So... Um, the point is, it's just this, this, the same Ken Starr, who of course got very moralistic um, about the Starr report, and I think you and I talked about this on a different pod, but you were a little too young to remember this. That Starr report was basically soft porn. It was like reading Fifty Shades of Grey without the S&M 
um, which by the way, if you've read Fifty Shades of Grey, yes, was the worst poorly written book ever, and the S and M was the sex scenes were awful, everything was awful. So so was the Star Report, and if you take away the S and M from the Star Report, from Fifty Shades of Grey, you basically end up with the Star Report, also poorly written but very salacious. Um, and so, uh, uh, you know, for somebody who was very moralistic about Bill Clinton's sex life, he sure was not moralistic when it came to covering up sexual misdeeds at Baylor. And so I'm not surprised that he's a total hypocrite when it comes to impeachment now. And same thing with Alan Dershowitz. I mean, what Alan Dershowitz oh, said at impeachment, I mean, the president, like, think, take this to its logical conclusion. And I'm not making a Hitler analogy. I'm not making a Nazi analogy. I'm not suggesting that. Donald Trump is a Nazi or Adolf Hitler, so don't tweet me. But what Alan Dershowitz did is stand up and say, if the president believes that it's, his re-election is in the best interest of the nation, there is nothing he can't do to advance his re-election. If Adolf Hitler believes that his actions are in the best interest of the nation, then killing six million Jews rids Germany and Europe of Jews, and that is for the best, in the best interests of Germany, so it can't be illegal. I mean, that is that theory taken to its logical conclusion. And I'm not making analogies about Donald Trump and Adolf Hitler. I'm simply suggesting that that is the dangerous kind of mindset that leads to awful consequences. The reality is we have a constitution for a reason. And if the president thinks it's in his best interest to engage in high crimes and misdemeanors because it's for the best interest of the nation... That is illegal. That is, in fact, completely antithetical to what the Constitution says. And for Alan Dershowitz, who was, I think, a constitutional, former constitutional law professor at Harvard, to say that is so absurd, and he knows better. It's so cynical that it's just, you know, I I don't don't get it, why somebody would want to ruin their legacy by doing this. It's it's kind of disgusting. For relevance. Yeah. Um, I guess so. It's terrible. So I wanted to switch gears a little bit. I don't know if you saw the Washington Post had this, uh, which of these 2020 Democrats agrees with you most? Um, I thought just doing a couple of the questions would be fun. Sure. Um, Okay. Uh, And I'll just pick a few of them. Uh, Recreational marijuana should be legalized federally, be decriminalized, decriminalized and left up to states to legalize, or remain illegal federally. Oh my God! Legalize it. Same. So we federally. Well, who cares? And right. you know, and you know, you know how much I am not a fan of right. pot. I don't like it. So right. this is not from any selfish reasons. Um, I just really, to me, marijuana is such a nothing burger. Um, so much more of a nothing burger than alcohol. That if alcohol is legal, why right. not? Why not make marijuana legal as well? Uh, the U.S. should or should not consider setting a price on carbon emissions, such as with a carbon tax or cap and trade. You know, uh, I believe in cap and trade. You know whose idea cap and trade was back in the day? The Heritage Foundation. It was a conservative idea originally. So, um, of course, the conservatives all turned on it the minute that Barack Obama tried to institute it. But this is originally a Heritage Foundation conservative idea. And on this one, I agree with the conservatives. I'm all about cap and trade. I agree. Actually, when I was an intern in Senator Mel Martinez's office, we... Republican of Florida, Mel Martinez. I had to argue because the interns all had to argue for and against, and I argued for cap and trade, but I agree with you. Um, Okay. 
Two states allow all individuals to vote from prison, and many states restrict voting for convicted felons after release. All prisoners, some prisoners, only after release all prisoners, or only after release some prisoners should be able to vote. So all prisoners should vote. Um, And I know that I am in the vast, vast, vast minority of people who believe that. And in fact, I said that to somebody who's a good liberal Democrat, um, and the person almost picked up a table and turned it over. He was so pissed off about my position. But here's my attitude. Yes, of course, prisoners should be able to vote. You don't stop having your American citizenship just because you have committed a crime. And they should vote not where their prison is located because sometimes those towns are consisting entirely of a prison population. So obviously they should not be electing the mayor of the town where their prison is. They should vote at their last known address um, and whatever town they came from by absentee ballot. And um, uh, I believe that that is entirely their right because you do not get stripped of your voting. Is People keep saying voting is a privilege, it's not a right. Actually, no, it is a right if you are an American citizen and unless they're not an American citizen, um, of course they shouldn't be voting if they're not, but if they are an American citizen, they should never lose their right to vote. I think that is a sacrosanct right um, and they should be able to hold on to it, even while in prison. Agreed. Um, okay, a universal basic income would give every adult a monthly payment from the federal government. The U.S. should or should not consider a universal basic income? Um, it should consider it. I don't know that it should enact it. I, I would really love to see more information about it. Um, there are actually studies that this would help the economy nationally. This would actually not contribute to the deficit. It would actually contribute to consumer spending and to um, other basic needs like food and housing that would more than offset um, uh, other government benefits paid to people um, who receive assistance right now. So they should consider it. That's the Fred Yang approach, correct? Yes. Yeah, so... um, Pretty much it's Gabbard, Warren, and Yang. Yeah, so I think they should consider it. I'd I'd like to know more information about it. Consider is the right word there. Okay, Um, and finally, uh, this one is about the Supreme Court. Yes. The Supreme Court has had nine justices since 1869, the president should or should not consider adding more justices to the Supreme Court to change its ideological balance. No. Nine is nine. I agree. Um, okay, well, based on our answers, we agree with Sanders and Warren the most. Really? Yeah. Wow. Well, um, <laughs> we didn't answer all of them, but keep going because okay. <laughs> I think I think this I think this might be skewed. Keep going. Okay. In the past year, the U.S. government spent nearly a trillion dollars more than it raised, but some argue that urgent policy initiatives should take priority over limiting the national debt. The president should or should not commit to stabilizing or lowering the national debt. So I find the hypocrisy on this astounding because I guarantee you the minute there's a Democratic president in office, all the Republicans who've just exploded the national debt with a dumb tax cut are going to start screaming about fiscal responsibility. Um, so I'm going to say uh, shove it. So should not. Uh, I'm going to say right now the president should not commit to it. <laughs> all right. Um, okay, so... This is not the politically PC approach, by the way. This is just Julie Reginsky's personal viewpoint. Yeah, but... This is what people are listening yes. for. Um, healthcare for many Americans is prov- provided by private insurance plans paid f- through their employers. In an overhaul of the American healthcare system, private insurance should be eliminated or continue to exist. Uh, 
yes, private health care should continue to exist. I agree. I get great health care. I, I have horrible health care, but one day I hope to get great health care. Here's the problem. If you like your health care, you should keep it. If you don't like your health care, there should be a public option. Right. Um, and Everybody uh, should get ev- health care. Everybody should get health care regardless of... Uh, um, so under an employment guarantee, every American would be entitled to a government job if they want it. The U.S. should or should not consider enacting a jobs guarantee. Um, a jobs guarantee. I don't know what a jobs guarantee means. So I guess I need more details on it. Like what kind of job are you guaranteed to? Are you guaranteed to a minimum wage job at McDonald's or are you guaranteed? Right. And, and who's going to... Based on your degree. And who's going to and who's gonna force you to hire? Is it the federal government who ends up hiring you if nobody else will? So I think I need to know more information about how that would be structured. I need to, I need to read those. If this is an Elizabeth Warren plan, I need to actually read the plan, which okay. I, so I, I don't know if I can comment on that right now. I'm going to say should not for now. For, yeah, I, for now I agree with you because I'm not sure what, what that means. Okay, I don't even think I need to ask this one, but current law prohibits the use of federal funding for abortions, except in the case of rape, incest, or when the health of a mother is at risk. Federal funding for abortions should or should not be restricted. Um, I mean, ideologically, no, it should not be restricted. However, practically speaking, pragmatically speaking, is this legislation that will ever, ever, ever get passed? And no. And I, I do, I, you know what? This is a more complicated question. If you believe abortion is murder, and a lot of people do, and I sympathize with them, um, do they want their tax money going towards um, subsidizing abortion? No. Um, and I respect their viewpoint. On the other hand, my tax money goes towards subsidizing a federal death penalty, um, which I don't agree with. So the reality is we all pay for stuff that we find morally repugnant. And I want people to consider that as well. I do not believe in the death penalty, but um, I could potentially live in a state or certainly in a nation that that has the death penalty. And so therefore my money is being used to electrocute somebody or however they kill people now. So this is a much more holistic discussion, I think, than just about abortion. Okay. It's about agreeing to subsidize things that we disagree with. A lot of people disagree with a lot of stuff. Right. Um, and like you said before, a lot of people disagree with paying for NDAs that should not be enacted. Ex- exactly right. Um, all Democratic candidates support increasing income tax on the wealthy, but some are also proposing a tax on the net worth of extremely wealthy individuals rather than just on their income. The United States should or should not enact a wealth tax. How much is the wealth tax on? didn't say. It just says... Um, the net worth of extremely wealthy individuals rather than just on their income. So here's the thing. If you're an extremely wealthy individual, let's say you make, I don't know, $100 million a year, right? Um, you're not making that in income. Right. You're making that in stock options. You're making that in capital gains. And the reality is, as a result of that, you're taxed at a much, much, much lower rate than people who are making half a million dollars in income because the income tax um, is at a, is taxed at a much, the top level of an income tax is taxed at a much, much, much higher rate than capital gains. And so it's galling to me that there are people who derive their income almost entirely from capital gains who have a lower um, tax rate than people who make a fraction and a minuscule fraction of what they make 
by working. You're essentially discouraging work. <laughs> You're encouraging sitting back on your butt and deriving passive income through our tax structure. So I believe in that proposal, but I want to see a more holistic overhaul of how we tax work in this state, in this country, excuse me, because the way we tax work in this country right now is you are effectively discouraging people from working and you're encouraging people from just sitting back and collecting passive income on their very, very, very high level of stocks um, or number of stocks. And I think that's quite a poor message to be sending to the world about how we value hard work. Um, so a wealth tax, sure. Um, if it means that it brings people who have a capital gains who derive 99.9% of their income, if not 100% of it, from capital gains versus from an income tax. Um, but I want to have a more holistic approach to that than just what I, just that one thing. Okay. So in summation, you agree with Buttigieg on eight. Yang is your next one. So Buttigieg and Yang. Interesting. Okay. All right. Um, as you know, I haven't made up my mind yet. Um, I will say both Buttigieg and Yang have signed on to a Lift Our Voices pledge to ban NDAs with respect to toxic workplace issues. Um, the two, I'll tell you who hasn't in the Democratic primary, Senator Klobuchar. Come on, Senator Klobuchar, you can do better than that. Senator Sanders, which really boggles my mind because it's such a pro-worker issue um, that Senator Sanders really should um, be engaged in it. And I don't understand why Senator Sanders um, has yet to sign on. just makes no sense to me. And uh, Mayor Bloomberg, who's effectively said he will not release women who work for Bloomberg LP, um, who were banned by NDAs, and because he said a contract's a contract. And boy, is that an old-fashioned way of looking at things. And Tom Steyer, who's been MIA in this issue. So the four... Um, of those four have not, both Yang and Buttigieg have, as is Warren, just this week after we went to Boston, um, Deval Patrick, Joe Biden, I mean, everybody else has. So get on board, my friends. And um, I'm happy to see that the two that I'm closest to supporting, according to this completely um, ridiculous poll, <laughs> have signed on. Much details, yeah. Yes. Um, I would like to conclude this week by just pouring some sugar. I think... I think, Julie, all of the things you're standing up for and just being, you know, out there on the front lines is really important. It's Thank inspiring. You. And I know you're taking a lot of shit, but you know what? I'm inspired and I know younger generations like me are too. Well, thank you. So and keep on keeping on the good fight. Yeah, I don't mind taking it. Um, a lot of crap, as you said, um, because I am in a position in my life where I am able to do that. And, um, you know, if you've been a lonely democratic voice of Fox News for, for many years. You develop a very thick skin, so there's really not much anybody could throw at me anymore to, to make me get upset, um, except for one thing. And this is the part that I alluded to earlier. I have a very hard time with so-called progressive women saying that they believe all women except the ones that attack, or not attack, except the ones that expose their um, political allies. You can be a good feminist and fun Planned Parenthood and still be really bad on women's issues personally. And that does not make you a feminist. That makes you a situational politician. 
Harvey Weinstein made great fem in a uh, gave to great causes, but then oh, Harvey him. Weinstein gave to great feminist yeah. causes, but so but you know, give me a break. Yeah, right. Um, and it's the same nonsense as when Republicans say, "Well, Donald Trump's putting you know our justices in the Supreme Court, so we'll excuse his grab him by the pussy comments." Like, come on, yeah. come on, just just be consistent, be consistent, um, be consistent one way or the other. Either you think all women should be doubted um, until you know there's a adjudication in court, or all women should be believed, but. Um, what can I say other than to say that I think the tide is turning and I hope it's going to be better for your generation and, and the women who come after uh, us. So that's, that's that. Well, of all the boxing classes I've taken, you are the toughest person I know. Oh, and thank uh, you. you keep fighting and I support you. And I know a lot of, a lot of people do and you're raising a really I think very great son and you have a lot of people like me and people in my life who are supporting you. So, well, thank you so much. Um, and you've been the best and hopefully other women, um, listening to this and men too. Um, hopefully we've persuaded some of them that life is long and that we stand behind them. And so does a whole army of women, um, who they may not know, but who has their backs. So on that note, Everybody have a wonderful weekend. We'll see you next week.